right, welcome church. Glad to see you all here in the Premier Cinemas parking lot, only a few yards away from where we met once upon a time. It seems like so long ago uh, that we were meeting just in this building, and now we're outside the building. I don't know if that's a step in the right direction, but we're getting closer to home. So we're, we're getting, we're just a little bit away now. My name is... Um, my name is Robbie, and in case we haven't met yet, I know there's some people from different places joining us, and so thank you so much for being here. And, uh, and it's, I, I just believe, and, and here's what I've been praying. I, I believe that God has something for you today, and I've been praying that all week in preparation for this morning. And I'm believing that he has a message for each one of you personally and specifically. And maybe you've already experienced that through the singing or through the prayer time or through a kind word from somebody as they came in, as you came in a little while ago. Or maybe it's going to be during this message as we, as we talk about God's word. And, uh, but, but I do believe that God has a very special message for you. So today, as we've already established and as we've already talked about and as you are well aware, today is Mother's Day. And this is normally the, the, the kind of the part in the gathering where we might do something special, right? We might pause and have like a fun or a heartwarming video, uh, something to, to share with you, or, or we would do something kind of special. Uh, usually as you came in, there would be, uh, you know, a lobby set up with all kinds of fun and exciting things for moms to participate in and, and do, but... Because of the Rona, you know, we're not able to actually do that uh, today. So I hope that as you came in, moms, uh, I hope that as we, you know, put some chocolate and, and a gift card in your hands, uh, we hope that you feel loved and appreciated and valued, not just today, but every day. Um, and we were also really excited to be able to support a great local business by getting those gift cards. So you're also doing two things. You're being loved and you're also supporting a great business in our community, and so we're excited to be able to do that for you. Go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to be at today, Luke chapter 10. And uh, as you make your way there on your, your phone or maybe in your Bible, if you bought, brought a physical Bible with you, uh, Luke chapter 10, I just want to tell you about what's coming up next week. Uh, we're going to be going into a, a teaching series uh, next week that I honestly cannot be more excited about. We're beginning our summer scripture series and, um, and, and if you've been with us, if you've been a part of Legacy City for any, any time over the last two years in, in our existence, two and a half years, uh, the last two summers, we've done a summer scripture series where we walk through a book of the Bible. And uh, we just spend all summer long, usually 12, 13, 14, 15 weeks. I can't remember how long it ends up being, but, but we spend a lot of time walking through uh, a book of the Bible. And so we're really excited to be starting that next week and carrying that on through this summer. And we're going to be walking through the book of Hebrews. And so um, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's a book that's not taught on a lot because the book itself is... Um, it's a lot of callback. The book is really a sermon, as we'll talk about next week. The, the book is really a sermon, and, and there's a lot of callback to Scripture in the Old Testament. And so, um, and so it's, it's, it's going to be a really, interesting, uh, a really interesting read, and I'm really excited to be able to share that with you. And so I'm telling you right now so you can prepare in a couple of ways. Number one, uh, go ahead and read at least the first chapter of Hebrews. Just go ahead and dive into it. We won't make it out of the first chapter next week, I promise. We probably won't make it out the second week. I'm not sure. But, uh, but go ahead and, and read the first chapter of Hebrews. That way you kind of know what we're talking about and where we're coming from. And you can just be a little bit more aware of what that's going to be like. And then here's the other thing. If, if you want to, go ahead and bring $5 with you next week. And, we're gonna, and, and you can purchase an ESV uh, scripture journal. 
and uh, the ESV scripture journals, we, we used these last year and they were great. We loved them. Um, I was going to bring one up here for a demonstration, but I, you might not even be able to see it anyways. But there are these, uh, there are these small journals that has the entire text of the Bible in it, in ESV, which is the version that I teach out of. So if you don't have an ESV Bible, you have the ESV text in front of you if you get this book. Also, and then every, every other page is blank with lines so that you can write notes. And so it's a great way for you to follow along with the book as we're walking through it through the summer, and then also keep your sermon notes and keep your different notes in there. Uh, and so we encourage you. It's a great tool. It's very helpful. We have some coming. They'll be here next week. And so if you uh, just bring $5 cash, you can go ahead and get one of those. We're not making any money on those. I think we're actually losing just a little bit for what it's worth because we wanted it to be easy, $5 without any extra change or anything crazy like that. You can also go online and order them uh, on Amazon, just ESV Scripture Journal. Uh, but I cannot guarantee they'll be here by next Sunday because everything's really slow in the shipping lanes right now. Um, so it's going to be great. We're going to do that throughout the summer. And, uh, and I, think, um, I think God's just going to do something incredible as we walk through this book of the Bible, uh, as we just deep dive into his word. We open his word every week, but there's something special about just walking through a book of uh, a passage of scripture and, and, a, and a book of the Bible verse by verse and in places even word by word. And we're going to walk through it together and, uh, and we're going to learn a little bit more about who God is, who we are in him and how his word impacts us. And so next week, summer scripture series, that's my, my plug for that. Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, we're going to be starting in verse 25. And this is probably a familiar story to some of you. If you notice, over the last three weeks during this series, I've been using some familiar stories, some ones that you've heard before, that you've read before, that you're, you're somewhat familiar with, because I think, uh, I think that was important. As we talk about this Jesus being a friend of sinners, that means he's also accessible, and, and he's also relatable. And so we're using these accessible, relatable stories to kind of help get that point across. And so let's read together uh, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to him, stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, This is what Jesus said, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Verse 29, but he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on an animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. So today we're wrapping up our Friend of Sinners series. 
and we're we're kind of we're kind of putting a nice little neat bow on it. And I, I want to preach to you this message, simply titled "Good Neighbor." Title of the message today is just "Good Neighbor," and I think it's going to encourage you. And so I know we prayed a lot, but you can't have too much prayer. And so would you pray with me right now? Whether you're in this parking lot or whether you're watching online or participating there, let's pray together and let's believe that the Holy Spirit's going to do what I can't do. So let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you brought us together today. We thank you that your word is rich and it's alive and it's active and it changes us from the inside out. Today, though, God, we didn't come to spectate. We came to participate. And so what I pray is that you would speak to us now. Change us so that we may never be the same. Today we celebrate moms and motherhood. We mourn with those without moms and, and who cannot be moms. But most of all, we celebrate the resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for coming for us. Thank you for providing a way for us. Thank you for providing salvation for us. We love you. We praise you. And if you believe it out there, all God's people said, amen. Amen. I love that we still have some honks. Even though we have people outside the cars, we still got some honks. That's, that's great. I really appreciate that because I've got just a generator in my ear over here. So uh, it's good to know that you're with me, that you're listening, and that you're, uh, you're, you're, you're feeling as the spirit moves. Let me ask you this, and, and, and we can't really have a conversation because I can only see uh, a handful of faces right here, but has anybody ever had a good neighbor like, have you ever had just a, a good neighbor? When you think back over the places you've lived in your life and you think back over all of the different homes that have been beside you and maybe you've lived in the same place your whole life and so that's a really easy thing to think about but maybe you've moved around a little bit. Have you ever had a good neighbor? Like, like just some fun people that you love to spend time with some people that, that, that just you look after each other's homes when, when the other's not there. You, you, you house sit for each other. You, you, you look after each other's pets, right? You, you, your kids play together. You have cookouts together. Like maybe you don't right now, but maybe you have had neighbors like that. So growing up, I had a neighbor um, who had several pecan trees in his yard. And, and he would, I would go over to his house. We had this great mutual relationship where I would, he was an old, older man, and I would go over to his house, and I would collect all the pecans off the ground, and I would shake the tree branches, and I would get all of them off, and, and I would put them in all these huge five-gallon buckets, and I would put them in his garage. And as a, as a payment, as a thank you for doing that, he would give me just this huge bag of pecans, and I would go crazy on them, which is probably why I don't actually like pecans now because I ate so many as a kid, but he was a good neighbor, and we were good neighbors to each other. I think back to when we first moved into our house a few, uh, several years back, uh, we had a neighbor across the street from us, uh, right across Thompson Lane, and it was uh, Archie, Pastor Archie Moore, who pastors this church right, right through, or he did pastor, actually just retired uh, about a month ago, but he, he pastors a church, pastored right here. So he and his wife lived across the street from us, and, uh, and man, they were good neighbors. Every time he would see me outside, every time I would be outside in the yard, like doing something in my driveway or doing something in the yard, and he was outside, he would come over, 
and, and Archie would immediately start a conversation with me, and he would, he would ask me how I am, how life was, how ministry was, how my family is. He would, he would ask, like, really deep and, and, and questions that he actually wanted to know the answers to. And then, and then Archie would just pray for me right there in my yard, in my driveway. He would just pray over me and pray for my ministry and pray for what God was doing in my life. He was such a good neighbor. Now, think about the other side of that. Have you ever had a, a bad neighbor? Have you ever had just like a, a kind of a really bad neighbor, you know? Like, I mean, and you, if you had one, it comes to mind immediately, and you can immediately think about who that person was. Maybe you lived in an apartment, and, and it, it always just sounded like a herd of wild animals was trampling overhead. They were always fighting or, or playing music or doing something really loud. Maybe you have like a neighbor that encroaches on your property line constantly, and that causes just this strife between the two of you. Maybe you have a neighbor whose, whose dog always comes into your yard to use the bathroom. Maybe your neighbor is, is one that just like blasts music until the wee hours of the morning. And you never know what they're doing over there, but they're always having some sort of a party or get together. Like we know the difference between a good neighbor and a bad neighbor, right? It's, it's not hard to spot. And we know ourselves and we know how to be a good neighbor and we know what it takes and what causes us to be a bad neighbor. So Luke chapter 10 is a beautiful story where, where Jesus is teaching one day. And in fact, he's teaching to a, a Jewish audience, and, and quickly, as he's teaching, there's a man in the audience, and scripture says that he knew the law. And, and so a lot, of, a lot of interpretations agree that he was probably a lawyer, which is why my version ESV calls him a lawyer. Your version may say it was a man who knew the law. And, and so, uh, so, so this lawyer, he knew the law, he knew scripture, and, and he wanted to test Jesus. And so he asked him a question. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, now this question, if you've, if you've been on this journey with us over the last few weeks, is not a new question uh, because we've seen this question asked before. Remember the story of the rich young ruler from, from just uh, two weeks ago? It, it, and we, we learn from that story, we learn from the rich young ruler that the way, uh, the way that we perceive someone will dictate how we receive from that person. And, and like the rich young ruler, this lawyer, he simply sees Jesus as a rabbi, just a teacher. And don't get me wrong, Jesus was a teacher and was a rabbi, and he, he, he was that. But last time I checked, rabbis don't die and then resurrect. But rather, Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave, and therefore, he is God in the flesh. And so this man asked Jesus the rabbi questions. He tries to come at him with some questions, so Jesus gives him some rabbi answers. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, obey the law. But then Jesus really follows up and he says, how do you interpret the law now? So Jesus sort of kicks the ball back to him. You see, the man was educated. He was smart. He was sophisticated. He was audacious enough to stand up and to try to justify himself before Jesus. He wasn't seeking to be taught by Jesus, only to vindicate himself. And so Jesus sort of throws the ball right back into his court and he says, you've read the law. What do you think? And I actually love what the lawyer says. The lawyer says something quite profound. He says, well, when I look at the law, I see really two things. I see, I see two basic principles that the law can be summed up to. I think it's summed up in this idea that we're to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. 
And then he says this, the second principle would be to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus says, yes, that's great. You do that, and you're going to live. Now there's question, of course, as to the motive of, of the lawyer. And the text seems to doubt his sincerity in this question. But he follows with another question. He says, well, then, who is my neighbor? Tries to, tries to pull him in a little bit deeper. Who is my neighbor? And the text says that the lawyer wanted to justify himself. He, he really wanted to justify. See, a religious spirit is always focused on yourself. Religion always focuses on what you must do while grace and the gospel and the relationship with Jesus declares that he's already finished the work. Religion talks about work while grace talks about work being finished. And, and he's wanting to justify himself. And so he says, who exactly is my neighbor? Because I want to make sure that if I'm going to be loving people, I want to make sure I'm not wasting my time loving the wrong people. I'm reading between the lines. This is the subtext to what he's really implying right here. Right? I want to make sure that I know who my neighbor is because if they're not my neighbor, I am not going to love them. So tell me who my neighbor is, Jesus. Can, can I tell you what I know, church? Archie Moore, my neighbor. Guy with music playing all night, my neighbor. Right, people at the gas station, on the way here, my neighbor. Friends at the gym, my neighbor. Republicans, my neighbor. Neighbor. Democrats, my neighbor. Wait, 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 wait. Are drug addicts my neighbor? Are sinners my neighbor? Are people of other religions, are they my neighbor? I just want to know who my neighbor is so I know who to love and who not to love. And then here we have classic Jesus. You ask him a question, and he tells you a story in response. So, so Jesus sets the scene of this story. This guy was walking down the road from Jericho, uh, from, sorry, from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is a real road, still exists today, still looks the same way basically today. Uh, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a dangerous road. Uh, Jerusalem, just for, for context, it was about 2,300 feet above sea level. And, and then and above the, the Dead Sea, and, and which is near Jericho, stood about 1,300 feet below sea level. And so within about a span of 17 miles, this road dropped about 3,600 feet. So it was a, a narrow road full of rocky cliffs and, 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 and just nooks and crannies and, and ways for people to hide. And so it was very attractive to thieves, this road was. And, and they would hide out behind rocks, and, and they would hide out on the cliffs, and then they would jump people as they would be traveling by. The 5th century historian Jerome actually called it the red or bloody way. So when Jesus told this story, he was telling about the kind of thing that was constantly happening uh, on the Jerusalem to Jericho road. So these people knew about this. This is like, this is like pe people know about the most dangerous road, roads to travel in the world. They know about all these different places. They, they knew what was going on here. They knew what he was talking about. And so they, they knew about this road. And he goes into this story about a man, a Jewish man, which, which is very important to note for the rest of the story. And, and some robbers, they jump out and they beat him. They steal his stuff and they strip him down. They leave him for dead. He's literally dying in the middle of the street. This is also very important to the story. And so over the next few verses, Jesus paints us this picture of what it looks like to not be a good neighbor. So he goes on. Let me, let me read a little bit. Uh, I know we already read it, but I'm going to go back and read a little bit more. In Luke chapter 10, verse 31, he says, Now by chance, 
a priest was going down that road. This guy's been beaten. He's been, he's been left for dead. And, and here comes a priest. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so here we are. A man is beaten. His, his, his stuff, all of his belongings stolen, his clothes stripped off of him. He is battered, laying naked and dying on the open road. And here come some people traveling along. The, the first that should happen along, says Jesus, was a priest. Oh, thank goodness, a priest. Yes, surely a person that would help. This is probably what the people listening to his story would say. Like, all right, okay, a priest, this is good, this is good. He's going to get taken care of. A priest is essentially the pastor of the day. He's the one that runs and teaches in the temple. He's, he's a religious leader that, that you should be able to turn to, but the priest hurried past. Maybe he remembered that those who touch a dead man was unclean for seven days, Numbers 19. Maybe he went back to the law and he's like, I can't touch this guy because I will be unclean. I mean, he couldn't be sure that the man was dead, but he was unwilling to risk losing his turn of duty in the temple. And so he set the claims of ceremony above those of charity, and he moves right along. I think the priest represents, like, this response in us, uh, this, this response that when we see problems, many times we go, we, we see these different problems around us, and, and a lot of times we, we just say, like, oh, oh, that's not my problem. How many times have you said that? Oh, that's not my problem. Not my issue, not my concern. And if we're not careful, like the priest, we're going to pass right by problems that we actually have an answer to. And, and really, isn't it ironic that a priest's job is to serve people, to help people, yet as he sees this man who he could help, it's like he doesn't have enough time because he's thinking to himself, I didn't cause this problem, therefore it's not my problem. Listen, I don't ever want us to be a church that, that we just pass problems by saying that's not my problem. Listen, listen to me, church. Just because it's not your fault doesn't mean it's not your problem. Just because you didn't cause it doesn't mean you can't be the solution for it. I don't want to be someone, I don't personally want to be someone who just passes things by because I didn't cause it. But when we really think about it, how many of us are living in, in, that, in that area and we are the priests? How many of us are operating just like that? Like we're just Christians living out our lives as people devoted to the church or to our faith, but, but we cannot be bothered to stop and help someone less fortunate than ourselves. We show up for church on Sunday. We, we serve once a month and we, 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 we try to outreach maybe once or twice a year and, and, we, and we give some money when we have it. We're good people and many might even consider us good Christians but when a real need walks in on us, when a homeless guy shows up at your doorstep, when a widow needs help with their homes, when an orphan needs to be taken in, we cross to the other side of the road and assume that someone else will help out. Someone else is going to pick up the tab. Someone else will be able to be blessed by this opportunity. That's how we, we Christianize it. Somebody else can be blessed by helping that person. I wanna, if I can say this. And I hope, I hope you're listening. Because what the priest 
and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but what the Levite didn't know is just this. God puts people in our path for a purpose. He puts people in our path for a purpose. We're to love those that he brings our way. We're to serve those that he brings our way. We're to bless them, and God will bless us. God puts people in our path for a purpose. And the priest missed it. He missed his purpose. He missed what he was supposed to do. So Jesus continues the story. And he says it's not just a priest who passes him by. It's also a Levite who passes him by. Now, now the Levite sees him, and he does the same thing. He looks at him, and he just keeps right on moving. So now maybe you're thinking like, okay, well, I know what a priest is. You explain that that's a pastor, and I get that. But what's a Levite? I'm not really sure what a Levite is. A Levite is an, essentially an assistant to the priest. Right? He's, he's, he helps the priest in the temple. And so I think the Levite represents that response in this moment that he, he saw the problem, he saw the problem, he saw what was going on, but he, he might have thought to himself, oh, I'm not qualified to solve this problem. This is more of a priest problem. And, 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 and I'm not a priest, I'm just a lowly assistant. You ever notice that that's what kind of happens in like church life and like the Christian, the Christian world? It, you know, it would always make me laugh early in my ministry when, when somebody would come up and they would, they would say they need prayer and they wanted they wanted somebody to pray for them, but it had to be the senior pastor. As if somehow the senior pastor has this, like, more direct line to God. As if, as if, as if, like, as if like, that prayer actually carries more weight and is more hefty and is, and is going to get to God quicker. You know, our prayers, they're just going to get left on the answering machine. But that person, he's got a direct line. He's going to get right in, and God's going to be able to, to speak to him directly. I know you all understand this, but, but I just want to make sure grace is the great qualifier. We, we must all start at the foot of the cross, and, and nobody has a better connection to heaven than the other. But, but, but rather, wherever you're at today, the gospel story is that Jesus came from heaven to earth, and he, was, he, he has cleared the line. He has paved the way, and you now have a direct line to heaven. You are qualified by his grace. His grace is sufficient for you. And so the Levite thought, maybe I'm not qualified. This is, this is a, a priest problem. This is a pastor problem. This is a church leader problem. Elder, staff, this is somebody else's thing. That's not, I'm, just a, I'm just a lowly Christian. I couldn't possibly be the one to stop and to help. That's where many of us live. We see the problem. It's not that we don't see it. We see the issues. We see the homeless guy on the curb. We, we, we see the, 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 the homes falling apart in, in some of the, the, the dejected neighborhoods of our community. We see the, the, the intolerance. We see the racism. We see all of the different things that are happening in our, in our community and in our world. We see it but it's not our problem. We're going to keep moving about our merry way. We're going to keep doing the things that we're doing, and we're going to trust that somebody else, maybe, maybe a church leader, maybe somebody else is going to step up to the plate and take care of that problem. You know what's incredible is that God died for you as much as he died for me. He gave you the same grace and mercy that he gave me. You have the same ministry of reconciliation that I have. 
But, but you know what is amazing is that both of these guys had titles. Both of these men carried titles. He, there was a priest and a Levite. Now, now typically a title is going to indicate like what you sort of specialize in. And, and so like, let's make it even more simple. Uh, a title typically indicates what you do. A title tells what you do. So think about this. A plumber works on pipes. Carpenter builds stuff. Lawyer interprets the law. Right? Police officer enforces the law. Chef makes food. Politician always tells the truth. Like, this is just the way it goes. Everybody does the things that they're supposed to do. Here's what I'm getting at. Your, your title is attached to your task. Okay? Meaning, if you're unwilling to fulfill your task, then, then here's, here's what you should do. Not carry the title. If you're unwilling to do what you're called to do, then don't carry the title. See, this is what's powerful about Jesus. Jesus is the Christ. Christ is not his last name. It's, it's not like he walks into a restaurant and somebody says, all right, table for two for Christ. That's not, the way, that's not the way it is. That's not his last name. Christ means Savior. Jesus was his title. He, he is a, a, Christ was his title. He is a Savior. In order to save us, he had to die for us. And this is what makes our God so unique, that he is a servant leader. He didn't come to be served. He came rather to serve. And he said to himself, I'm not going to carry, the, I'm not going to just carry the title of Savior. I'm going to be willing to get up on a cross and fulfill the task. I'm going to give my life in order to get you back. Come on, somebody. Am I thankful for a God who fulfills the task of his title? One person is. Amen. So we got a priest and a Levite. We have these two people, these two titled men. Their whole job is about serving people. But, but, and and here's this, this great opportunity. You know how many times I, I've heard people say, like, I would love to serve somebody if I could just, like, you know, God would just put the opportunity right in front of me, right? If God would just bring somebody into my path. How many of you have used that Christianese before? If God will just put somebody into my path, if it will just give me a divine appointment, Right, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna go after it. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care. That's exactly what happened. I put somebody directly into their path. There's a great opportunity in front of them, and yet the problem is not theirs, or they're not qualified to fulfill it. If we're not careful, church, we're gonna look at our city of Greenwood, and as Christ followers, we're gonna look at it and we're gonna condemn it, and we're gonna judge it, and we're gonna look upon the darkness of the city, and we're gonna step back inside, and we're gonna say, I didn't cause this darkness, therefore I don't have to solve this darkness. If we're not careful, we might say, you know what? Somebody else will come along and do this. And listen to me, church, that is not the heart of Legacy City. Legacy City understands that we are God's plan. We were put here on a mission to fulfill a task. And I want us to be a church that if we're going to carry the title of Christian, it means that we're going to do the work of a believer. We say this all the time, and we really believe it. Our church, or sorry, our city, our responsibility and here's the deal, you're going to leave this parking lot today, and there's going to be people all around you that are broken, that are hurting, that, that, are, that are in need of hope. And if you will just simply fulfill your task, you'll be shocked to see what God will do in your life and in their life. The, listen, church, these guys had titles. The, the, these guys uh, were, were leaders in the church, but you don't need a title to honor the Lord and to love his people. You don't need a title to be a friend of sinners. There are people out there that many of you may encounter that really are truly hurting, that, that may have been worn out from religion, that, that think God is even mad at them. 
but there you are. And it's our problem to solve, and nobody else is coming. That's the mentality we need to have. You don't need a title. You don't need to wait for Sunday to be a servant leader. That's who you are every day of the week. Sermons on Sunday are cool, but the best sermon is Monday morning when you walk into work. It's Tuesday night when you put your daughter down to sleep. It's Wednesday when you go grocery shopping and you say that I'm going to take this opportunity to be light, to put my faith in Jesus. And I want us to be a church that doesn't care about titles. We realize that we have a task in front of us. He says, Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, who do you, oh, yeah, actually Jesus says, let me tell you a story. He asks a question again later. Who, let, me, let me tell you a story. Who's my neighbor? I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you this long story. It's like this traveler. He gets beat up. He gets left on the side of the road. He, a priest walks by. A Levi walks by. Neither of them help. And, and, and you would think these are the people that should help, right? These are the people that would stop and help, but they didn't. And then watch what happens next. next. Verse 33. Such a profound verse from Jesus. But a Samaritan as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, what's crucial to the story is understanding that Samaritans were hated by the Jews. I mentioned this last week when we talked about the woman at the well. All right, they were looked down on. They were thought as less than. They were, they were half Jewish blood and half foreign blood. And so the Jews viewed them as second-class citizens. Racism has always been there, and, and it's always been rampant. And we see it in, in this passage. The Samaritans, they, they were they were marginalized by the Jewish people. And so here comes this Samaritan, and he sees this man that, that probably in any other context would have hated him, lying on the ground. And so of all people to actually stop, it's a Samaritan. So this Jewish man, he's beat up, he's left for dead, and, and this, this oppressed, this looked down upon, this lower class citizen, this enemy of the Jew, this is the one who stops. And the scripture says that he had pity or, or compassion on the man. The Samaritan stopped to help. He showed compassion. He loved his neighbor. He loved the person that God had placed in his path. He had compassion. I want you to, to, to just think about that. Write that down. Circle it. Underline it. Highlight it. He had compassion. And, and this is important because this is how Jesus is telling us to love our neighbors. Who are our neighbors? anyone that God places in our path. How do we love them? We have compassion. The, the biblical definition of what loving your neighbor looks like is found in these three words. He had compassion. You know, that same phrase is actually only found five times in the New Testament. And, and it might be translated slightly differently in our, in our Bibles, but in the original Greek, it's the same in all five situations. The, the first one was at the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus had compassion for the crowds and, that, that they were hungry and, and they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And so he went and he fed them. You see a need, you do something about it. That's what Jesus did. He had compassion. The second time it was mentioned, Jesus was tired from ministry and he went away to rest and he came back and he saw that the crowd had needs to be healed. And so he had compassion and he healed and he loved them and you, he, he, he saw a need and he met the need. He had compassion. The third time is a great story. I mentioned this the other day. Uh, a, a widow had lost her husband. She only had one son who has, who has now died. And Jesus sees this woman, and she's all alone, and he had compassion. And he went and he touched the casket, and the boy stood up. He saw a need, and he did something about it. The fourth time was a story that you're all familiar with, the prodigal son. 
Here we have a kid who gets his inheritance. He spends it all. He, he wasted on, on prostitutes and other worldly things, and he finds himself in a literal pig pen eating what the pigs ate. And so he decides to go back home and to become a servant for his father. And as Jesus is telling the story, he says that while the son was still a ways away from the house, the father saw him from a distance, and he had compassion. He welcomed him home with open arms, and he clothed him in fine robes and had a feast in his honor. That is the exact same phrase that Jesus uses to describe the Samaritan as he comes up on the dying traveler. This person that is basically his enemy. That's the phrase that he tells us how to love our neighbors. He had compassion. He didn't just see a need. He did something about it. The Bible says that he goes down. And he, and he begins to bandage the man's wounds. He pours oil and wine. He, he cleans the man's wounds up. He takes it a step further. He puts the man on his donkey. And, and he takes him to an inn and he cares for him overnight. And then he pulls out two silver coins and he pays the innkeeper. And he says, check this out, church. He says, I'm going to leave, but please look after him. And when I come back, I'll make sure that you're paid. I love this Samaritan because he feels the pain of the man. He sees his pain and he does something about it. He even takes it to the next level by getting him a room and paying for anything that might need to be paid for. Man, I hope our church is like that. I hope our church sees this city and sees our loved ones and sees our neighbors and I hope that we feel their brokenness. I hope that we focus on it and I hope that we do everything we can to come alongside it. We, might, we can't do everything as we said last week, but we can do something. And so then here's what happens. Jesus finishes out the story in another classic Jesus way. You ask him a question, and he asks you a question right back. Who's my neighbor? Jesus tells this story. And then what does he say? Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? You have to watch this here because the lawyer is obviously convicted. He's being challenged to his very core. And in fact, he can't even like say the word Samaritan. It can't even come out of his mouth. Instead, he says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. It's funny, right? We, we ask Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus doesn't answer. Instead, he gives us a picture of what a good neighbor looks like. And I think many times I'm asking the wrong question. I'm saying, Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus is saying, Robbie, are you a good neighbor? That's where we get hung up and that's where we lose it. Are you a good neighbor? He, he's trying to get all of us to realize that none of us in this story, maybe you're trying to figure out who you relate to. Maybe you feel like I relate to the priest or I relate to, maybe, maybe I relate to the Levite or maybe I relate to the good Samaritan and that's who I want to be. I think he's trying to get us to realize that none of us are the good neighbor. I am not the good Samaritan in the story. I'm the traveler on the road. Jesus is the good Samaritan in the story. He saw me in my place of brokenness and shame and Jesus, like the Samaritan, was moved to compassion. 
the Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted. He came and he cleaned me up and he picked me up and he put me on a donkey and he took me to an inn where he continued to serve me. And he pulled out the money from his wallet and he said, I'm going to pay these two silver coins. And then he went to a cross on Friday and then he went to a tomb on Saturday. And then he said, I'm going to come back on the third day and I'm going to pay the entire ransom in full. I was an enemy of God. Romans 5 tells me that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He was and is a friend of sinners. I could do nothing for God. Jesus, the good Samaritan, the one I rejected, the one I betrayed, he came and he found me in my pain and he picked me up and he bandaged my wounds and he saved me. And listen to me, church, he can do that for you today. So would you just pray with me and, and, and nobody at Legacy City, uh, nobody prays alone. And so we're all going to pray this together. And this is your first time encountering and understanding and hearing about this love of Jesus and hearing about who he is and that he's a friend of sinners and that he's the good Samaritan, that he will see you in your brokenness. He will see you in your shame. He will see you at your worst. He'll see you when you're lying naked in the street. And he will stop, and he will care for you. It's the first time you're hearing about that. If it's the first time you're understanding that. Then this prayer is going to mean so much. In fact, it's going to mean eternity. These are more than just words. This is a heart change. This is a life change. So would you just bow and pray with me, Father? Thank you for sending your son, Jesus to die in my place. Thank you for seeing me when I was broken, alone, hurting, and for picking me up and taking care of me. I give you my all. If you just prayed that prayer, then for the very first time that all of heaven is celebrating. But let me also pray for everyone else. We're all called to be a friend of sinners. We're called to be like Jesus. We're called to be a good neighbor. And so let me just pray over this body this morning and those who are listening online. Father, I pray that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. That we would be close to the brokenhearted. That when a problem, when we see a problem, when we see an issue, when we see something, that we would do something. That we wouldn't just expect somebody else is going to come along, but God, that we would be the good Samaritan. We would stop because we were once the one laying on the ground naked, bruised, and battered. We once had nothing, and now as believers, we have eternal life. We have everything. Let us not forget that. Let us meet people right where they are and let us serve people right where they are. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.